I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter number 22. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. We are kicking off our missions month. This is our missions month every year. And uh, we, 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 we take on a project and, and, and uh, focus, really, our primary focus all month is going to be on missions and the heart of God. Say amen. <clears throat> and I want to do something. Uh, I, I've not done this in, in I, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever done this in, in ministry. Uh, there have been countless times that I would teach something or preach something on Wednesday night and think, man, I wish this would have been Sunday. Because everybody needs to hear this. Pastor Doug, how many hundreds of times have you thought that after a Wednesday night, you thought everybody should hear what I just said? And so I, I, I'm, I really prayed and asked the Lord to lead and, and, and say, Lord, what do you want us to start with here for Missions Month? And, uh, and, and so I, I took just a couple of weeks ago, I preached on a message about your heart, about your heart. Where's your heart? And, and so I've taken some elements out of that, that message and, uh, and, and put together what he gave me for you today. And, uh, I, 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 I'm really not looking for a lot of amens today. Uh, sometimes when we're amening and shouting and everything, we're not listening. So if, if, if amening causes you not to listen, I'd rather you just keep quiet and listen. Say Amen. All right. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. Now, now, don't take this the wrong way. Don't take this the wrong way because I love when people get with me. I, I, I mean, saying amen is like saying sick him to a bulldog. Amen. I, I love it when people respond. But I, I have learned this over the years that, that shallow waters are real noisy. And deep waters run quiet. And sometimes the quietest services is when we're thinking the most and when God's really digging into where we need to be. And that's what I kind of feel today is going to be about. God is going to do an investigation. He's going to do a little surgery this morning. And let's find out where we are with him. We need to really, we need to really know where we are with God. Amen. So let's look in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. And, and let's start with verse 35. Verse 35. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? In other words, what's the greatest one? If we was to pick one of them out, what would be the number one, the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, let's all read together. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Let's read again. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Dear Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will, Lord, you will search us out today. Lord, I pray that you will dig deep and, and, and reveal things to us that we might not even want to know. Lord, I pray that you will show us where we are with you. I pray that you'll show us our heart. Lay it bare so we can see, Lord, where, where we need to apply attention spiritually. Lord, this is such an important topic. This is such an important month. 
uh, Lord, getting the gospel is the most important thing we can do here on this earth to people who don't have it. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. And God, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. But, oh, God, please don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I've heard this phrase most of my life uh, talking about a, a, a preacher or a, a, just a Christian in general. And, and I've heard it said, uh, brother, brother Craig Edwards, he, I've heard him say this phrase an awful lot. He would say, that boy right there has got a heart for God. Or that, that preacher has got a heart for God. And, and I, really didn't, I really didn't get that in the very beginning of my ministry, but I, I, I really understand it today and understand it more than I did. But, but do you have a heart for God? David was not, David was not the, the, the biggest fella in the world. He was not the oldest son of the, the sons of Jesse. He, he, listen, he didn't have all the qualities that all the rest of them did. But there was something that attracted God to David, and that was his heart. He told Samuel, God told Samuel, he said, don't look on the outside. He said, your focus is on the outside. Your focus is on what you can see. He says, but I don't look on the outside. I look on the, and you know what the Bible says about King David? He was a man after God's own heart. It says it twice. It says it in the Old Testament. It says it also in the New Testament. It said, this is a man after God's own heart who did all of God's will. Why did he do all of God's will? Because he had a heart for God. You know, there's one thing that God is after. You say, what, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? I'll tell you what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. The Bible says that we are to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our mind. This is the greatest commandment. This is the first commandment. This is the most important commandment. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all of his ways. Watch this now. And to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now here's a question. Matthew 15, 8. Matthew 15, 8. Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. He's dealing with the religious crowd of the day. Uh, this religious crowd, if you was to look at them, man, they dotted all their I's and they crossed all their T's. They, on the outside, on the outside, they looked like they had it all together. On the outside, it looked like they were uh, Johnny B. Good. They were holy as can be. On the outside, they put up a good facade and they put up a good front. But there's a problem with that, that scenario. God doesn't look on the outside. God looks at the heart. And this is what he says about it. He said, this people draweth nigh unto me with their, with their mouth. And they honoreth me with their, but their heart is far from me. Now you came in this morning and you sang some songs. And you honored the Lord with your mouth and you honored him with your lips and and I know your body is in the house of God today, but I want to ask you a question. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? 
Is your heart where it needs to be? Is your heart here giving it all to God? Do you have a heart for God? There's a few questions we can ask to try to determine where we are. Listen, this, this is when you go to the doctor, when you go to the doctor, what does he do? First thing he does is sit you down and he starts giving you questions. He asks you one question after another, after another, after another. We're in the doctor's office this morning and we're asking questions. Let's find out where our heart is. In Romans chapter nine, verse one, Romans chapter nine, verse one, it says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy ghost. This is, this is Paul speaking of his Roman or excuse me, his Hebrew brothers in, in the Jewish people that he wants to see saved so bad. He says that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, listen, here's what I want you to ask yourself. Uh, Number one, what bothers you the most? We're trying to figure out where our heart is. We're trying to figure out what do we have a heart for? Is our heart for God? Is our heart directed toward God? Well, you got to ask yourself, what bothers you the most? Paul is saying this. He says, it bothers me when I think about my countrymen. It bothers me when I think that they are lost and dying and going to hell. It bothers me that they have a righteousness, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They go about seeking their own righteousness and they've not submitted to the righteousness through Christ, faith in Christ. He said, that bothers me when I think about them going to hell. It bothers me when I think about where they are in their spiritual state. Oh, it bothers me. Let me ask you a question. What bothers you? What keeps you up at night? What causes tears to come to your eyes? What bothers you? Is it, is, it, is it COVID? Is it the shot? Is it the mandate? Is it politics? Is it the, the ball game? What, 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 did you, what bothers you? When you think about it, what, what bothers you? What breaks your heart? What is on your mind? What do you have a conviction about? What do you sorrow over? Basically, here's the word we would use. What do you have a burden for? What bothers you? Number two. Second question. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse seven. For as he thinketh in his heart, say it with me. So is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let me ask you a question. What do you think about the most? What do you think about the most? What's on your mind the most? What what captures your attention the most? What fills your thought process the most? Are you thinking more about your hobby? Are you thinking more about your family? Are you thinking more about your kids? Are you thinking more about your job? Are are, are, Are you thinking about lost souls? Are you thinking about God and how to honor him? Are you thinking about what God's will is for your life? Question number two, what do you think about the most? Because that's where your heart is. What bothers you the most? That's where your heart is. Number three, Luke 12, 34. Luke 12, 34. It says, for where your, come on everybody, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want to ask you a question. Number three, what is most valuable to you? What do you value the most? What do you value the most? 
What is the most valuable thing to you? Oh, preacher, it's got to be my kids. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. Say, preacher, I can't believe you'd say that. Oh, it's my grandkids. That's wrong too. As much as I understand that, it's still wrong. Oh, it's my husband. My husband is my life or my wife is my life. That's wrong too. Jesus said, if any man will not deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Unless a man hate his father and his mother and his sister and his brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Nothing can be more valuable to you than Christ. Because your heart's going to be where you value the most. Your heart is going to be where you value the most. For where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. Do you have a heart for God? Do you value him the most? Do you value his will for your life the most? Do you value his approval, his pleasing, his smile on your life the most? Where's your heart today? Number four. These are some piercing questions, aren't they? It makes somebody think. What bothers you the most? Because that's where your heart is. What do you think about the most? That's where your heart is. What is most valuable to you? That's where your heart is. Number four, the Bible says, Luke 6, 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Now read it with me. For of the abundance of the his mouth. Let's all read it again. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Here's the fourth question. What do you talk about the most? If we recorded your conversations all week long, what would be the most content on those recordings? Did you talk about the ball games the most? Did you talk about the weather the most? Did you talk about the, the, the mandates the most? Did you talk about politics the most? Did you talk about Republicans and Democrats the most? Did you talk about Afghanistan the most? Did you talk about God the most? Did Jesus enter your mouth ever at any time this week? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the... I've heard people say this. I've heard people say this. Oh, preacher, just, just don't, just overlook, just overlook my mouth. I got kind of a potty mouth. You know my heart. I said, yeah, it came out your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the, let me tell you what, what you hear somebody talking about all the time, that's where the heart is. If you see people talking about their grandchildren all the time, you know why? That's where the heart is. That's what they're thinking about. That's where their, where their value is. And I understand that. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But let me ask you a question. When's the last time all you could talk about was God and what he's done for you and who Jesus is? Do you know, do you know the apostles in the New Testament? The Bible says they could not stop talking about Christ. Listen, we cannot but speak those things which we do see and hear. They said, don't preach in his name. Don't speak in his name anymore. They said, I don't know about you, but I tell you what, is it right to listen to you or listen to God? Because we cannot help but tell everybody what's happened. You know why? Because that's where the heart is. I want to ask you a question. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? I tell you, I know you're fixing to talk about money and giving and all that. God, God is not broke, ladies and gentlemen. 
God is not hurting one ounce. He doesn't need a dime that you have in your pocket. He's not wanting the dime in your pocket. He's wanting your heart. There is a sciatic nerve that's connected from your heart to your wallet. And he knows that. He's not asking you to give because he's broke. He's asking you to give so you will be a giver. So you will be like him. Why did God create you to love him? Why did God make you to love him? What does God want from you to love him? What does God desire from you to love him? What's the number one commandment? Love him. Love him. Serve him with all your heart. God wants your heart. More than anything else in your life, God wants your heart. Do you have a heart for God? Where's your heart this morning? Are you thinking about what's for dinner? You know, sometimes we come in and we go through the motions. We do. We sing all the songs. We'll even raise our hand because subconsciously we've been trained to raise our hand. I will lift my hands up. I better lift my hand. Mm -hmm. But where's our heart? Where's our mind? What are we thinking about? Are we thinking about how faithful he's been to us? Are we thinking about how great our God is? Are we truly thinking about that? Or are we thinking about what our list is, what we got to get done after work? Because we're going through the motions. We're flattering with our lips, but our heart is far from him. What a devastating, what a devastating thing. And man, they had it all together. They had to look down. They had the facade out there. Everybody in the world thought these were the people closest to God. And God said, these are the people furthest away. He said, oh, they're, they're like septicers. Septicers. They had a shiny marble uh, facade out front, but inside they were full of dead men's bones. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. What does it mean to have a heart for God? Let me give you three quick things. Three quick things, because this is kind of tough, I know. What does it mean to have a heart for God? What's it going to look like, preacher? We just did an investigation and we found out we may not be where we need to be. So what, what, what does it mean to have a heart for God? Well, if we have a heart for God, number one, <clears throat> if we have a heart for God, we will love what he loves. We will love what he loves. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. How many of y'all would agree right now that God loves the world? Amen. Now watch this. Watch this. That's, that's, that's what he loves. Now watch what he commands us. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you that ye as I have what? That ye also. Oh boy. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Let's all read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. You want to be able to tell if you have a heart for God, you'll love what he loves. You'll love what he, before you flip, before you flip, don't be flipping. It's easy to love people that are lovable. It's not hard whatsoever for me to take Carter and love him. I could eat him alive. Just chew his ears right off. Man, I love that kid. Hey, something about them grandkids. I know you poor people ain't got them yet. You can't, you just don't know. But it's a whole nother thing to love that rapist. And to love that, that Muslim terrorist. It's a whole nother thing to love that person has done you wrong. But God loves the world. God loves the good and the bad. And by the way, there's really no good. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but you get my point. If we have a heart for God, we'll love people that we never loved before. We will have a heart for people. We will love what he loves. Say that with me. If we have a heart for God, we will. Say it again. We will. It's amazing. The closer you get to God, the more you love people. It is amazing. The closer you get to God, you love people you never loved before. I asked my father, I asked my father, and you, you got to just understand him. I mean, he redneck to the bone. I'm talking my country's cornbread. Just, just, just was raised in, in, a, in a bad time and, 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 and was, was racist to the bone, just mean, just a, just a bad, bad guy. And I asked him, what, what was one of the biggest changes that you made? Obviously, he didn't go to bars and all that kind of stuff anymore. He said, man, I love people I never loved. Matter of fact, he said, I love people that I hated before. You know why? The closer he gets to God, the more he's going to love people. Number two, not only will you love what he loves, but if you have a heart for God, you will desire what he desired. You will desire what he desired. You say, what does God desire? Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Let's all read. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's read that again. We're, at, we're asking the question, what does God desire? What does God want? What is God wanting to see happen? God is not willing that any should, but that how many of y'all would agree that God wants folks to get saved? God has a desire for people to believe in his son. 1 Timothy 2, 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men. Help me now. Who will have to be what? Oh, my goodness. We've got, we've got Calvinists throwing up right now. He said all men, not some men. Not picked out men. It says he will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 
Preacher, what are you saying? I believe without a doubt reading these two verses or these two sets of scriptures that God has a desire for people to get saved. How many many of y'all would agree on that assessment? God has a desire for people to get saved. Now watch, watch Paul. Now, can we agree? Can we agree on this? Is there any question that Paul had a heart for God? Let me ask you a question again. You're not paying attention. Can we, the apostle Paul, y'all with me? The apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that ever walked this planet. How many of y'all would agree he had a heart for God? Okay. How many of y'all agree that God desired men to be saved? Now watch what Paul says. The man with a heart for God, Romans 10, one brethren, my, my heart's desire. Say it with me. My and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be. Oh, say amen. I believe that's evidence that he had a heart for God. Why? Because God wants men to be saved. What did Paul just say? His heart's desire was that his brethren would be saved. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a desire for people to get saved? I'm not talking about that you get happy when they do. I'm talking about, do you have a real driving desire for people to come to know Christ? What's your greatest desire? What are you thinking about all the time? What are you talking about all the time? What consumes your thought process? What do you want the most? Because that's where your heart is. And I believe with all of my heart that if you have a heart for God, you're going to want what he wanted. And that's to see people saved. Church, say amen. Number three. What was number one? Number one, if we have a heart for God, number one, we will. We will love what he loved. Number two, we will. We'll desire what he desired. Number three, we will do what he did. We will do what he did. That's pretty simple, isn't it? We will do what he did. Sometimes people, a lot of preachers think the more complicated they can make their sermons, the more spiritual they sound. But that's stupid. If you don't understand what they're saying, you can't go do what they're teaching you to do. It don't take a rocket scientist to understand that. How many of y'all, it's possible to love what God loved? How many of y'all, it's possible to want what he wanted? How many of y'all believe you can do what he did? Watch this. Watch this. Three things real quick. Real quick because I want to go over something with you. What did he do? A. Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. Let's all read it. For the son of, by the way, the son of man is Jesus. For y'all that don't know, that's Jesus. Say it with me. For the son of man has come to. All right, let's all read it again real loud. I fear of you. Read it real loud for me now. Here we go. The son of man has come to. Okay, write this down. Write this down. A, he was a seeker. He was a seeker. He was a seeker. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you seeking sinners? Are you seeking people who you can share your faith with? If you have a heart for God, you will. He was a seeker. 
Then look at this, Matthew 20, 27. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the son of man, who is the son of man? Jesus, all right. Jesus is God, right? Let's read it. Even as the son of man came not to be, but to. Now that word ministered means serve, means to be a servant. That's all. When we think minister, we think preaching and teaching and that, that type of thing, but it means to serve. Jesus came to serve. One of the greatest examples of that is when he took off his coat and got down and washed the disciples' feet. He was the epitome of humility, the epitome of a servant. Everywhere he went, he did nothing but serve people. He served people that would stab him in the back. He served people when he was exhausted and didn't have any strength, but he kept on because he came to serve. Let me ask you a question. Will you be willing to serve? Are you seeking sinners to, to teach them and help them find the Savior? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to set your agenda aside and set your desires aside and be like Jesus and serve and take part in what he started here on this earth, which is the church? C. All right, A. Now, now remember, here's the point. We'll do what he did. If we have a heart for God, we'll do what he did. A, he was a seeker. Everybody, he was a seeker. B, he was a, he was a servant. Now look what it says in John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. You see, he was a seeker, he was a servant, but he was also a sacrifice. He was also a sacrifice. He laid down his life for, and by the way, guys, he laid down his life for his enemies. Not just his friends, but his enemies. The ones nailing him to a cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was a sacrifice. Preacher, what does that mean? How can we be that? Are we supposed to go find the cross and have somebody? No, no. Listen, 1 John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Watch this now. And... Oh, oh, slow down, slow down. And we, that's you and me. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you and me. That's you and me. And we ought, let's read it. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, preacher, does this mean that we're supposed to die? No, it means we're supposed to live. Look at me now. Look at me now. And we're not finished with the outline, okay? So don't be putting nothing up. What does it mean to lay down our life for the brethren? All right, Jesus was a sacrifice. He was willing to give it all so that we might be saved. So we know about Calvary. We know about the cross and all that. But what does it mean for us to lay down our life? It means you're setting aside your desires and your dreams and your agendas and your plans and saying, God, here am I. Send me. God, if you want to use me in 
Timbuktu, if you want to use me in Zimbabwe, if you want to use me in Uruguay, if you want to use me in Germany, or if you want to use me in Holly Pond. If you want to use me in Fairview, if you want to use me in, in Trimble, if you want to use me in Coleman, if you want to use me in Fair, wherever, Lord, I'm here. I'm setting aside my dreams. I'm setting aside my wants. I'm setting aside my wishes. I'm setting aside my desires. Here I am. Listen, my dream was to be a veterinarian. I grew up, I grew up a preacher's kid, and the last thing I wanted to be was a preacher. I watched my father put up with all y'all. I said, I do not want that. I want something that can't talk back. Give me a dog. I'll work on him. Seriously, I really did. I really wanted to be a veterinarian. I love dogs and animals and all that. And, and my desire was to be a veterinarian. God called me. And I surrendered. I said, okay, God, this is, not, this is not my plan. This is not what I would have picked. This is not what I wanted. But I feel this is where you're calling me. God, it's not about me. It's about you. Not my will, but. That's how you lay your life down. You set aside your agendas, you set aside your schedules, you set aside and say, God, you're first in my life. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice to seek sinners. I'm going to sacrifice so other people can know you. I'm going to sacrifice so people can come to know you and bring glory and honor to you. I'm going to sacrifice by serving. I'm going to sacrifice by giving. I'm going to sacrifice. Have you sa- And by the way, by the way, coming to the early service is not a sacrifice. Oh, but preacher, if you just knew how I'm not a morning person. No, I know it's convenient for you. Now you got the rest of your day, so don't pull that over on me. The early service is always the fullest service. Y'all get this out of the way. Where's your heart? Is this just an activity? Is this just something you're supposed to do? Are you just going through the motions? Or do you truly have a heart for God? Because your heart is going to be revealed by what you say, by what you think about all the time, by what consumes you, by what concerns you. Your heart is going to be revealed by what you do. Are you a seeker? Are you a servant? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to sacrifice to see people saved? Do you want what he wants? Do you love what he loves? Are you doing what he did? Listen, only you can answer that. How did you do with the survey? How did you do with the internal exam that you took in those first four questions? Listen, give your heart to him. Preacher, what does he want from me? Your heart. Just your heart. If he has your heart, that's all that matters. Do you love him? Does he have your heart today? 